For most of my corporate career, I was known as an individual contributor. I was a sales rep, so as an individual contributor, I had to try and work hard to get other people to do things for me because nobody worked for me and actually liked that. But at the end of my career, I was forced into management and I wasn't real happy about it because I'd never had good, I wasn't trained, I didn't know how to manage people. So I went to my husband for advice who had spent his entire career managing people. And I said, I got this one sales rep, he's, he's new and he's making a lot of mistakes and I'm going out on calls with him and I'm not quite sure how to tell him, you know, he needs some work. And my husband said, oh, I have this great method. When you get in the car after you've made a sales call, just say to him, how do you think that went? And what inevitably happens is that he'll tell you all the things he did wrong because we're very conscious of the things that we do wrong. So I tried it. We went on a sales call. We get in the car. I go, how do you think that went? Oh, it was awful. And he starts listing all his mistakes, the ones that I had noticed and ones I hadn't noticed. (laughs) And he really kind of let me know. I'm thinking, wow, he did that? I didn't realize he interrupted the customer 17 times. That could be a problem. We have to slow down. And um, what it taught me is that how quick we are to fault ourselves, how quick we are to see what we do wrong. And oftentimes we'll, we'll organize something or you know, we'll have a liturgy and 99% of the things will go right, but the one thing or the one mistake that I make is then what I focus on. And it's really bad when I'm driving home with Scott and he'll say, so how do you think that went? <laughs> <sighs> and he's usually just pulling my leg, but you know, I tell him the one thing that went wrong. So with that kind of mindset, I think it's really hard for us to believe that we are God's beloved, that we are so loved by God, because we think we have to deserve it. We think we have to be perfect. We think we have to be good. We think we have to be without sin for God to love us, when in reality what we heard in the first John reading is that We love God because God loves us first. God loves us. We don't have to deserve it. We don't deserve it. God loves us anyway, beyond our wildest dreams. We are truly God's beloved. Now, this is what I say to people, and what people say back to me is, how do you know that God loves me? I said, well, the reason I know that God loves all of us is because of Jesus. And that the more we get to know Jesus, and the more stories we know about Jesus, the more that we can begin to understand that we are loved by God. And that every story in the Gospels is a story of God's love for us that's manifested in Jesus. And so people will say, well, you know, I hear those stories, and, but I find it hard to get to know Jesus. I'm not sure how do I get to know Jesus. How do I develop a relationship with someone who lived 2,000 years ago where some of the stories I read are, are these parables and they don't make a lot of sense? And So how do I develop a deeper relationship with Christ? And that's where Philip comes in. So the first story we have is good old Philip, who 
who Jesus called, and he came, and then Philip went and called Nathaniel, and Nathaniel says to him, nothing good can come out of Nazareth. You're talking about this Jesus guy. And, and Philip says to him, come and see. That's the kind of person Philip is. And here in the story of Acts, we hear about Philip being told by the Holy Spirit to go get in the chariot with this eunuch who is reading a piece of scripture from Isaiah. And Philip goes and he gets in the chariot and he helps the eunuch interpret that scripture. He helps him understand that the scripture he's reading, which is about the suffering servant, is really about Jesus. And what he does is he helps this person understand who Jesus is. We all need Philip in our life. And believe it or not, I had a Philip in my life. His name was Philip. (laughs) And he worked at one of my computer resellers. And I would go over there. They were my biggest account at the time. And I would talk to Philip because Philip was their best salesperson. And you walk into Philip's office and he would have a table set up with an array of pamphlets about Jesus. Now, this is at a point in my life where I was not a follower of Jesus, and it was a little scary for me to walk in and see these pamphlets because I'm thinking, oh boy, he's going he's gonna to tell me I need Jesus in my life, and you know, I'm not sure I want Jesus in my life. I mean, I was kind of, I was just working on making a lot of money at that point. I didn't want to get, you know, distracted by learning about Jesus. But he never said anything. He just had the pamphlets there, and we would talk business, and he was really working on some very large sales. And finally one day I said, Hey, Phil, what is this about Jesus over here? And he's like, I've been waiting for you to ask. <laughs> he says, I'm just so excited about Jesus. And he just launches in, and he's like one of the happiest people you'd ever want to meet. He was always like upbeat, even when his customers were complaining and being irritable, and he would lose sales. And he was just always so happy and upbeat. He said, I love it when people ask me about Jesus, because then it gives me the opportunity to tell them how they are loved by God. And that we know this through Jesus and he starts talking about stories and he's like all enthusiastic and energetic. And I'm like, whoa. I said, well, in my head I'm thinking to myself, well, God doesn't really know me that well. And if God does, I'm probably not one of those people that's loved by God. And, you know, you're kind of going through all of this. And he kept insisting. And he told me story after story. So it kind of unleashed the dam and we'd go make sales calls together. And he would relate all of these circumstances to scripture. And so all of a sudden, what I was seeing in my daily life and talking about printers, he's relating to God's love for people. And this person is like this person in the gospel. And he needs healing. And, you know, Jesus would do would think about this in this way, and it just sort of opened up a whole new world, and I began to think, wow, maybe God does love us. I was telling somebody about this this week. It was Charlie Bollinger, who kind of lives on the edge, was the son of the first priest here, and Charlie said to me, well, Abraham Lincoln said that God must love the common man because he certainly made enough of them. And that's kind of like the, what I got from this thing from, from Phil is that really God loves us and that if we look at the world in a certain way, we can see God's love everywhere. So I'm kind of getting schooled by Phil who's helping me interpret scripture because we all need somebody to interpret scripture with. Try reading the Bible by yourself. 
we all should and, and, and we, we do, but when you have someone to talk about it, it unlocks it. It unlocks it in a way that we cannot do by ourselves. And when two or three are gathered in his name, there he will be also. So I'm getting schooled in Jesus from Phil. I'm beginning to think I might want to know this guy a little better. Jesus, I did know Phil. And so life kind of went along. And, and um, Western New York Computing, which was the name of this reseller, had offices in Buffalo, Rochester, and Syracuse. Now, Phil was in Rochester. In Syracuse, I was working with a sales rep named Steve Charles, and we were calling on money at the time, Mutual of New York. They had two big towers in Syracuse, and we were in the process of doing an incredible printer sale down there. And on Wednesday, I made a a great call with Steve, and we were high-fiving, and we're going to get this, and all excited, and I drove home. And on Thursday morning, I got a call that Steve Charles had died suddenly, 36 years old, two little kids. And I was just devastated. So I drove down to Phil's office, and I was angry, and I went in there. I said, okay, Phil, where's this Jesus now? What's going on? And he sat me down, and he said, where is Jesus when people are, are dying? Where is Jesus with the dead? Where is this person? And he said, look at the scripture. There are moments where Jesus is with those who have died. Lazarus, with, with Tabitha, the, the daughter of the centurion. He said, where is Jesus? Jesus is right with those people who have died. And Jesus is reaching out to them and giving them new life. And that Stephen will be with Jesus and is raised up and be with him in, in the loving arms of God. And I had a lot of trouble with that because I I had met his wife and I knew his kids and I just couldn't believe that this had happened. We were all stunned by it. So I went to the funeral, which was down in Skinny Atlas in the Presbyterian Church. I will never forget this funeral. And in walked all the people who worked at Western New York Computing and the church was just full, full of people because he was a young man and he had a lot of friends. And in walked Phil, and Phil sat right with Steve's widow. He sat right with Lisa. And he held her hand, and he had his arm around her, and he was showing her, and the only way he could on that day was that she was loved by God in the midst of her suffering. And then as the weeks went on, that wasn't all that Phil did. Phil, who knew Jesus in a way that he was so connected and and felt the love of God so strongly, Worked with Lisa. When, when Phil and his wife and kids went to Walt Disney World, they took Lisa and her kids with them. When Steve's son got to Little League age, Phil was down there playing catch with him and going to Little League games. For three years, I watched how Phil and his wife ministered to Lisa and her children. They babysat for her. They let her go out on dates. Eventually, she found another man... Her life was resurrected. She remarried and is, um, found happiness again. And it's all because Phil was there continually showing her the love of God. That even the love even lasts after death. And that somebody could love someone through a loss like that was just amazing. We've all had Phillips 
in our life who have brought us to this place, we wouldn't be sitting here if we didn't have some inkling of the love of God. And in Easter time, we celebrate the love of God in a special, incredible way because of the life, death, and then resurrection of Jesus. A, a, quite a few years ago, maybe five or six years ago, um, Valentine's Day was coming up. And my husband was all excited. He says, I have found the perfect Valentine's gift for you. He said, it is the supreme, ultimate symbol of love. And I was getting excited because he was all excited about this Valentine's Day gift. And finally, Valentine's Day arrived, and he's got this box, and it's beautifully wrapped. And I'm thinking, that is one big diamond necklace. <laughs> and I hefted the box, and it was, it was heavy. And I'm thinking, whoa. I could not wait to open this box and see what the ultimate symbol of love was going to be. So I'm roaring through opening the package. This was what was inside. I looked at it and I thought, I'm the priest. I should know this, (laughs) that this is it. And he had gone and he'd looked for this crucifix that he wanted us to have in our house as a reminder that this is the ultimate symbol of love. Because when we get to know Jesus, what we realize is that God sent Jesus into the world to show us that God loves us, that we are God's beloved, that we're loved unconditionally. We don't have to deserve God's love. And Jesus died because Jesus was unwilling to fight the people who were trying to kill the love because God's love is for everyone, even for the people who were crucifying his son. And that what we know in Easter as Easter people is that we cannot kill the love of God. We tried in this manner. But what God's answer to to that is that is the resurrection, that love does not die. And today, all of us here, because we're here, and there are plenty of people who do not know this, is for us to go out and climb in the carriage and help people interpret that scripture so that they too can know that they are God's beloved. 